Welcome to the Calfire Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence, and with me is my co-host, Jason, calling in for the back cave in Indianapolis. Jason, how are you, my good man? So Terrence just lied. I'm actually not in Indianapolis, as some people might be able to tell from the background. A little bit different, but it's all good. Add some flair to it with a little flag behind me, giving it up for bros. But anyway, it's episode 76, bro, The Road to 100. Got three good topics today. Let's get into it. Yes, sir. Jason, that background totally could have been in some damn uh, old-ass basement in Gary, Indiana. Don't lie. (laughs) Illinois, son. Illinois. Yeah. He's a a little more local than usual, but his ass still ain't over here. Anyways, thank you for listening. This is episode 76 for the uninitiated Calpart Bros is the podcast to hear. We are a weekly podcast for fans of sports, current events, and entertainment. And as always, we are your hosts, Terrence and Jason, and every single Thursday, we come to you with a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, sports, and the athletes we love. And even some of the athletes we loathe. No matter the topic, you expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning through the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois. And folks, for more Cal Park Bros content, make sure you connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok under the handle Cal Park Bros or Cal Park Bros Podcast for more behind the scenes of the show and just to engage with us every single day. But do not forget that the Cal Park Bros Podcast is available to, to subscribe and listen for free wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And folks, if you like us, hell, why wouldn't you? That's right, folks. Like Terrence said, we are the podcast to hear and watch. Make sure you're living it, loving it, and doing it. All right. Getting into the nitty-gritty. Segment one, Brett Favre. Brett Favre's post-retirement Q rating wasn't all that great, Jason. But with the news out of um, the welfare scandal about two weeks ago, it just keeps dropping, man. Like, Dog, I don't want to see you in another Wrangler commercial. It's a wrap. Well, after the, well, depending on how that stuff goes down, he may not have to have that opportunity in the first place. So uh, now he's not been convicted of anything yet. Um, but the writing may be on the wall. Yeah, I think, and, and folks, just for those that may not be well-versed in what we're discussing, uh, Brett Favre, as part of an investigation, was discovered to have contributed to some sort of welfare fraud um, for actually getting um, for, you know, fraudulently procuring some money uh, for where uh, his uh, daughter attends college. And so that's the real sticking point. Right. Is because, you know. You have you have a lot of politicians and talking heads on on media talk about welfare queens. And then lo and behold, it's Mr. Wrangler himself that is front and center. And I mean, Brett Favre made well over a hundred million dollars in his career, Jason. If anybody doesn't need the money, it's him. Well, now we'll probably get into, into this, but the money that was misappropriated, we'll say, wasn't for him to pocket the money per se. It was for to use it for uh, basically for means that weren't the purpose of the money in the first place, you know? I, but to that point, but but to that point, yeah, yeah, whatever money he, you know, was used for what he used it for could have come out of his own pocket, but it didn't. So, yeah, and I think, you know, from from my vantage point, those are one and the same. Uh, it's it's even more dastardly because, um, one, 
one, he's so he's so involved anyway. And so for all those people that that have said that, oh, there there's too much focus going on other more salacious news. I mean, this is front and center for us. We just talked about the Jackson, Mississippi water crisis. So our focus is front and center on 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 this clear abuse of power and access. And he was just the biggest name, right? There were other individuals caught up in this investigation. He just happened to be the biggest name. Well, biggest name based on the public eye. I mean, it could be argued that some of the people other involved may be bigger, bigger names when it comes to their status, when it comes to Mississippi, I don't want to say government, but you know, their status in Mississippi. Uh, yeah. We'll just go ahead and say Mississippi government. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, yeah, it's one thing for Brett Favre to do all this. I, I almost want to say it's probably worse for the, those government officials to be involved with it because you're trusted to to run those programs ethnically and within the binds of the law, where Brett Favre is just some Joe Schmo, essentially, you know, who happened to be along for the ride, who was just a happy medium in a way for them to start misappropriating funds, you know. Um, yeah. And now, just to be clear, people, just in case you also weren't aware, the money that was used, or rather money that was given to Brett Favre, was used for new facilities for the volleyball program, the women's volleyball program, perhaps, at his alma mater, Southern Mississippi University, which is also happens to be where his daughter plays volleyball, the same school. Uh, so it is all pretty convenient. Uh, also, I was reading something earlier that some of that money may have been used to potentially, not that, not that it was given to the, the, this recruit, but when it comes to promising facilities being made, it was a way to lure Deion Sanders' son to play for Southern Mississippi University. Again, they weren't giving the money to Deion or his son. It was the money to you. It was going to be used to build facilities that would draw him to come to the school there. So um, one thing I do want to point out, not that it matters, um, and we may get into this, that one thing, of course, when you think about this, you're like, okay, if Brett Favre did this, you know, jail time. Again, we can go further into that later, but, but one aspect I do want to point out is that Brett Favre, once this was found out, supposedly he gave the money back. Now, he didn't give it back with the interest on time. Apparently, there was a deadline involved. We had to pay the money back. So he paid the money back, but not the interest involved. And that's when all this information was turned over to the authorities and obviously how it came to the public knowledge and awareness. Uh, despite the fact that it's not being talked about very much compared to some other stories that we'll get into later. Um, but again, that can always change once certain shoes drop when it comes to indictments and things like that. But I wanted to point that out real quick. Not that that should change anybody's opinion. I'm sure it doesn't change yours about anything or does it? Well, Jason, I had a question. So you mentioned there was a whole process in which he had to pay the money back. Um, and, you, you, and you already mentioned that this this is not a criminal matter, at least not yet anyway. So. So so my follow up question then is, was that like part of the, the process is that um, was this like a civil lawsuit? Like basically stating that him specifically or that multiple individuals had like a certain time frame to get the money back. So I can't speak to those more than more than just him, because obviously these articles are going to be talking about him as opposed to any other individual. Going back to what I was saying before is, yes, he's the biggest name in the public eye. So every story is going to be about him, at least at least as far as on the, the national media sites. Anyway, I'm sure Mississippi sites are bringing up other people. 
But this article that I saw that in which I saw the um, about the payback, which I believe was CBS Sports, even though it's not a sports story, was talking about him paying back the money. It was $500,000 and another $600,000 that he paid back, which, again, didn't include the interest he was supposed to pay back as well. So whatever the deadline was for him to pay that back because he didn't pay the interest part, that's when the powers that be said, well, we'll pass this along to the authorities. It doesn't seem like I had to reread that part, but it doesn't seem like it was part of a civil lawsuit. Unless you're finding that out right now, but it could have been just whoever he took the money from. Say, hey, give it back. Well, you know, I'm not even going to speculate on that, but it could be just the people he took the money from to say, hey, give it back, and we'll call it square potentially. So, um, well, obviously he didn't do that. So now, also Brett Favre's claiming that he didn't know that the money was supposed to be like he didn't know he says he didn't know it was welfare money, uh, which. There's some text messages out there that got revealed. I think it was gold cash. <laughs> well, yeah, probably. But the problem with that, though, is there's some text messages that came out probably during this investigation from five years ago, August 2017, that may indicate that even if he didn't know if it was welfare money, he probably knew that it wasn't money that he was supposed to be getting. Uh, I mean, in those text messages, the very first text bubble that shows is from him. Let me pull this back up here. It says, if you were to, there you go. If you were to pay me this money, is there any way that basically the media would find out where it came from and how much? And again, this is, this text or message are all out there. CBS sports, Twitter, you can go see the messages, but there's three or four more text bubbles in there. They indicate from the individual with the Mississippi government. That, hey, don't worry about us, blah, 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 we'll get taken care of, so forth and so forth. But that first bubble indicates that he knew Brett Favre, from what it would seem, without having anything else before or after it, that he knew if it wasn't welfare money, that he knew that it wasn't probably money that he should be getting, since he's worried about the media finding out, and so forth and he's so forth. He's worried about the paper trail, which is ironic, because here he is texting, oh boy, um, and... What I suspect this is boiling down to is that whoever he was interacting with, there's heat on him now to effectively to 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 turn the the to drop the dime on this on Brett Favre. Because at that level, if you're at that conversation of that level with whoever was involved, the chances are it's every man, woman, and child for themselves. Uh, I believe the person that he was talking to at that point, that test messaging session was Nancy New in EW. And I believe she may have been the governor of Mississippi back at that point. I will confirm that as you're talking. Okay. Give me one second. Three, two, one. All right. So I'm curious what you're referencing because... When I'm I'm looking at this article, it's referencing a governor named Phil Bryant. And for all I know, hell, there might be multiple text messages, by the way. So I misspoke. Nancy News isn't the governor. She's actually, well, was. Uh, she was the head of a nonprofit group in an education company. Um, and they were actually, they pled guilty back in April, her and her son, to misappropriating funds that were supposed to go to, you know, as, a, as the article mentioned from the Clarion Ledger, the poorest people in the nation of Mississippi. So that's who the conversation with Brett Favre was talking to was Nancy New in particular. So she wasn't the governor, but basically she was somebody who, as we mentioned, was misusing public money 
and and gave some of that money to Brett Favre. Um, so that's who Nancy knew and her son, Zachary, knew are. My bad on the governor part. But yes, Mr. Bryant, the governor, is involved as well. And so when I, when, Jason, I say, when, I say, when I say involved, they're in he's part of the story. He's in cahoots. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, they they involved. They involved, dog. Yeah. It's not just that's why I'm saying. I and people can say that Brett Favre isn't a big name. Brett Favre, because of the shenanigans that he is already engaged in, both on the field and off the field, and also because of how this is eventually going to play out and the optics of siphoning off money when you've made $100 million, that's a crook of the first order. You're saying he's crooked? I'm saying this is exactly the behavior I'd expect from somebody that was sending dick pics to reporters. <laughs> kind of makes that seem a little tame now, doesn't it? I mean... Yeah, yeah not playing the crime Olympics here. But yeah, he I mean, Aaron Rodgers is almost like a better human being by default now. I'm not going to go into that that uh, that argument there. We know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, let, let's let, let it go. Let that go. <laughs> but yeah, I do think that enough has has come to light that. Oh, he did that shit. Now, will anything ever happen of it criminally? Short answer, we don't know. I don't want to pontificate about what may happen with that, but we know enough did happen where clearly he had to walk back some shit and he had to give that money back. I'll, I'm not afraid to go ahead and say that probably nothing's going to happen to him. If I'm wrong, great. But I mean, we've seen what happens here when it comes to... He's not, he's not a current athlete, no. He's a former athlete, so there's that. I'm sure he has great lawyers. He may get convicted of this. Will there be any jail time? I had to vet not because, I mean, I hate to say this, he didn't kill anybody. He didn't sexually assault anybody. He didn't beat the shit out of anybody. So, yeah, and that's usually what, you know, athletes go to jail for, those are three things. He didn't do any of that, right? And the fact that he paid the money back before even any criminal case came up, that could be a saving grace to say, well, once I found out it was wrong, I gave the money back. And I think that might be a saving grace when it comes to not going to jail. Make it probation, make it some type of other punishments, but keeping him out of jail or prison, I think that's going to be a saving grace. Oh, and and here's the hookup for New, uh, and by the way, is that New was was cook was connected with a non for profit, and and it just and it just so happens that Brett Favre does a speaking engagement, does several speaking engagements to the tune no, no, of no. one. He was, he was supposed to do those, but supposedly he never did them, which is also part of the problem. Basically, they paid him not, basically they paid him to do the speaking engagement, but he never did them, but they paid him anyway. Right. Well, I was going to chime in on that, but um, yeah, that's wild. I mean, you it I, I'm almost I'm, I'm speechless. I'm flabbergasted. I I just now found out by reading this that he never actually did the speeches. That's 1.1 million dollars. Like, hell, this is probably why Biden got more more uh more more company in the IRS these days because the audits waiting to happen like this one. 
Now he, now, he claims what he did was film some type of videos or commercials or some stuff like that, So, which I had to imagine there's going to be some evidence of that, that he did it. But, but yeah, exactly. Those speaking engagements that he was supposedly paid for on record never happened. So basically, you know, stuff was doctored to say, hey, he did this stuff for me, but he never did it. So, um, yeah, so classic uh, white-collar crimes happening there. Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty shady and it's shady. Rarely are these shady acts by one individual or two individuals. Usually it's a team. Right. So you see, you know, a failure of the people. Of from the governor's office all the way down. And so while Brett Favre is the biggest name in this, um, there are a uh, there is a team of bastards involved in this and like i said the these individuals they're copping please now because they're trying they're trying to get as much heat off of them as possible which is why i suspect brett Favre's name even came up oh facts yeah i mean yeah in an article i found from the clarion ledger I mean, i'm sure other places nancy knew and zach said we'll, we'll gladly testify against anybody else hey here's some other information brett Favre, the shiny piece of all this hey Forget about me. Look at this over here. Brett Favre. Ooh, what she's candy. Ooh, a piece it, of candy. Exactly. Exactly. And even though he may be a retired player and, and whatnot, in the state of Mississippi, southern Mississippi, I'm sure he's a god, basically, because he's Brett Favre, made it to the league, you know, doing stuff for the, the alma mater as well. You know, the fact that he still lives at home, you know, which I'm sure ingratiates himself even more. So, yeah, I, I'd be doing the same thing. Throw him out there. I, whatever happens to him, great. But, hey. Take the shine off of me a little bit. Give me a lighter sentence. Less fine. Cause I gave you Brett Favre. So there you go. But yeah, but the one thing you mentioned about uh, it takes a team to do stuff automatically reminded me of the Varsity Blues uh, scandal, one the USC admissions thing. I'm sure it wasn't just one person involved. Obviously, it was multiple parents involved. So clearly, yeah, I agree. I wasn't sure if you meant the actual USC deal or the actual movie Varsity Blues. Um, that, if you that, were that going movie was movie, a crime. That, that movie was a crime itself to even be made. So yeah, I love that movie. And if you were gonna gonna use an actual like um, movie to 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 show how the sausage is really made on the state level, you should have went with blue chips. Shout out to Nick Nolte. Well, I'll just say that's what they call that scandal in the media, varsity blues thing. That's why I threw it out there. But I agree, blue chips would be a better you know representation of all this. Uh, but I think that was a actually better movie than varsity blues, even though people think that was worse. So. My opinion. Fair enough. All right. Check it out, folks. That movie has Shaq and Anthony Hardaway in it. Check it out. <laughs> Too much. All right, folks. That concludes our first segment on the uh, Brett Favre welfare scandal. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about the accomplishments of one Albert Pujols on Cal Park Rose.
up our bros. Jason and I are fresh off the segment discussing uh, the Brett Favre welfare scandal. I feel comfortable calling it a scandal. If nothing else happened, it's a scandal. A scandalous as hell. Um, in the second segment, we're going to be talking about something a little less salacious and a little more celebratory, honestly. And that is the accomplishment that Albert Pujols has finally made it to the 700 Club. And even better yet, he did it in a Cardinals uniform, Jason. Does that make it better or worse? I think it's better. I think despite some of the antics um, when Albert Pujols originally left for the Angels by a lot of St. Louis Cardinals fans. who I can attest to that and I'll get into it. I mean, why don't you just get into it now, dog? Because, I, I mean, I even as an outside observer, I was like, damn. That's kind of that's kind of ignorant. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's let's just say the reputation that Cardinal fans like to tout themselves as being the best fans in baseball, you know, Cardinal heaven. Uh, the, the the lies of that came came to play when Pools left. Uh, when it comes to calling calling all sorts of names, I don't want to go into on air stuff like that. But basically, radio shows blasting them, social media blasting them, stuff like that. Um, now, some of that may have been anger. I get it, but at the same time. It's just hypocritical. You're the best fans of baseball. You should understand why he left. I mean, so when you say they were blasting, like, in what way? Like, was this kind of like a LeBron scorn lover, you know, star leaves the 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 loyal fan base of the city? Like, like I don't call any burning jerseys or anything like that with LeBron. So I won't say it's that bad. <clears throat> Not to say it didn't happen, but... But really more just verbal tirades or typing tirades, stuff like that. Uh, people, again, on the radio just talking shit to him, uh, saying that he, you know, good riddance. He's not going to be as good as he was when he left here. All basically just hating stuff. Basically just kind of uh, not sour grapes or anything, but just, you know, like children. And again, they Cardinal fans make themselves sound like be like the classiest people or excuse me, classiest fans, best fans out there. That went out the window that day. And I, I gladly point it out to them every time. Now, obviously, they were very hypocritical when he came when he came back. Like, where's that energy at the, when, when he left? Where's that energy back? You know, where was that back then? Now, I, may, now I, I know time heals all wounds, but yeah, when he left, yeah, they show the true colors, in my opinion, and just show that they're not the greatest fans of baseball; they're just fans, like anybody else. I think, well, one, people got to remember why he left in the first place. It's two hundred forty million dollars, for God's sakes. Exactly the point I made to him as well. You know, more money to play in a better environment. No offense to St. Louis, but playing in California, probably a better situation. And and he, and he could be a DH. So, so yeah, no offense to St. Louis. You got hey, you got your two championships. N- number one, you ain't won one since. So, and it'll be it'll be complete, I hope it doesn't happen, but it'll be totally funny if the Cardinals win the World Series this year when he came back. What a coincidence! Yeah. Whatever. We don't need to go there. I'm a, I'm a, I feel myself getting angry again and all that. So, <laughs> I mean, and so he 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 was with. I mean, that was 2011. So that's a 10 year deal. That would have been 2021. So he was with the Angels the the full decade, right? Well, he spent a year ish with the Dodgers too. So so yeah, there's that. Was that a trade yeah. situation? I'd have to look that up. I don't recall that. To be honest with you, I feel like it probably was. Um, he wasn't there very long, <clears throat> but yeah, but yeah, very much I, forgotten the Dodgers years of Pujols. Yeah. <laughs> so was there more than one? 
I feel like, well, I feel like it was a partial year. Um, feel, let me look that up to be sure here. But yeah, there was at least, at least one partial year, and I feel like it was a year and a half. But I could be wrong with that. But he didn't. Yeah, it was much of nothing basically. That was a, a very down year for him. It's, and it's funny to see him see hit all these home runs. Now he's back in St. Louis. Like he's like energized to be back there, which I'll give him that. Because it seemed like the Angels' years are kind of going downhill, and then with the Dodgers, it seemed like okay. This is a sad ending to the tale of Albert Pujols. But then he went back to the Cardinals, and all of a sudden, again, now he's part of the 700 home run club. So, um, so yeah, it's it's been very impressive that he got that he got there. As the season ended, I didn't think he'd get there because I figured he was too far away with not enough games. But he started going on a tirade, even hitting two home runs in a game a few times, and he got there, you know, this past weekend. So, a very impressive feat, regardless of my feelings about him, the Cardinals, anything about that. It's an impressive feat. I mean, anything is impressive, especially Major League Baseball, given the MLB has been around since you know the early 1900s or, or before. It's very impressive whenever one player can do something that only three other people have done in the history of baseball, which we'll get into that as well. So you have to give kudos to that. Again, 150-something-plus years of baseball, more than that, and only four guys have done this. So kudos to him. All right. So, so you chimed in a little bit about the the era when he left. I mean, at that point, he had what been he had been playing for eight or nine years. So, a decline would not have been unreasonable, and it was the equivalent of a king's ransom. I mean, hell, if another employer offered to pay me that shit, I might have to think about it. For two point seconds before I put in my two weeks, <laughs> um, but you know all of the acrimony about free agency, and you know this this uh, resurgence. You know what's ironic is had he not gone to 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 a league where he could play DH, he may not have even gotten a seven hundred. Facts, the wear and tear on the body playing first base, exactly. Which, again, I can't blame him for the move from St. Louis to, to Anaheim. So, like I said, I have to say it worked. So, so yeah. It worked. It just it, 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 it didn't yield any actual, uh, you know, successful, you know, long, uh, you know, postseason successes. Um, but it did yield, you know. I mean, it definitely, definitely helped him in the pocketbook. So, Facts, facts, exactly. So, um, I mean, looking at to answer your question about the Dodgers, correct? He was only there for part of the year. Uh, I don't think it was a trade. I think he was released from the Angels and he just signed with the Dodgers. Uh, I'm sure that was convenient. He was still living in L.A., but he only played so many games. Uh, Eighty-six, played eighty-five games with the uh, Dodgers that year in 2021. Only twenty-four with the Angels. Um, so most of that year was spent with the Dodgers, and then, uh, like I said, this past year, he's back with the Cardinals, and, and again. I don't want to say he's having a, he has, he's having a resurgent year, but the fact that he has 21 home runs, which is the most he's had since 2019, which isn't that long ago, but go back before that, that's when his numbers started kind of dropping compared to the 40-ish home runs you hit before. Um, one other thing that I think is pretty cool, and when it comes to this, goes into whenever so whenever somebody gets to hits like a huge milestone like this, uh, the conversation goes to okay, who's going to be the next person to do this? You know. And but I think one challenge of that though too. But one thing that's pretty cool with Pujols 
is that the the number of home runs he hit before turning 30. Because I think that's that number is important. Because if you're going to talk about getting to 700, it's somebody that's going to be around for a long time. Right? Uh, again, Poole started when he was about 20, 21, and now he's 42 now, so he, had, he got the seasons in there. Uh, he hit 408 home runs before turning 30. <clears throat> Excuse me, which is the fourth most of all time. Only Jimmy Fox, Ken Griffey Jr., and Alex Rodriguez uh, hit more before turning, thir- uh, turning 30. And I do want to point out, like I just said earlier, none of them got to 700 home runs. None of them. Alex Rodriguez came close. He got 696. So, in a way, huge drop off after he, you know, turning 30. And that's what's important there. So people want to point to like Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge right now, you know, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt. Well, great. They're great hitters right now. They might have a shot. But even Aaron Judge, he's already 30 years old. And he has less than 300 home runs. Really? Yeah. Because I think with him, he got a late, later start in, in his career when it comes to the major leagues, which is another point to, again, somebody getting to 700. You got to start in the league young and be consistent somewhat with hitting your home run, a lot of home runs, especially from you know 21 to 30. And a lot of guys these days are going to get that shot immediately entering in at 21. So I personally, I, it's, kinda, it's hard to say never say never, but I don't think that guy who's going to hit 700, Hundred home runs next is going to be is currently in the league right now. I don't think he's there. Yeah, I mean, there's no telling, you know, where the, where the next Albert Pujols is, and that just really speaks to the volumes. I mean, this is an impressive feat. I don't care if you hate the St. Louis Cardinals, I, Jason. I will say by the way um, that I think that Albert Pujols' pursuit of seven hundred has probably generated more uh, publicity for Major League Baseball than Aaron Judge's pursuit of breaking the American League record for home runs. Uh, I'm not, that's an opinion, so I'm not going to you know kill you on it, but I have to disagree. I have to say it's probably a combination of both. Because um, I, I feel like if it was only one or the other, it probably wouldn't make a difference. But I was actually thinking about that earlier. It's, like, it's pretty cool that we have two different home run marks being chased by two different players in a way, two different perspectives of their careers. You have one guy going for the career, a career home run milestone versus the guy trying to break a single season league record in the 60, you know, one home runs, which for a long time was considered the, one of the greatest numbers in sports, 61 home runs in a season, which obviously has been surpassed multiple times by guys who, you know, reduced, um, and that's one of the things about Albert Pujols. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what that's what they say about Albert Pujols. Throughout his career, he's never been a steroid guy. So now that leads me to a question I, I wanted to make sure I asked you during this podcast, sir. Especially given your status that you're not as hardcore a fan as me. So like I said several times Albert Pujols is now the fourth member of the 700 home run club in the Major League Baseball, joining Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth. And I heard this question asked specifically on a radio the other day. They, they mentioned that, okay, obviously Barry Bonds is known to be uh, as a juicer. Steroids, for those who don't know, know the lingo. Um, and I, and, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And they say Hank Aaron played at a very, very extremely hitter-friendly park that was known as the launching pad. And then they also mentioned that Babe Ruth never played with any minority players, no black players. Given all that, the question he asked, given all that, was 
of those four guys, who had the most impactful run or so to 700? I'll, I'll reveal his answer in a minute, but I want to hear what your your opinion is. Um, so I believe your question is which one was a more impactful run to 700? Correct. A more impactful run, more meaningful, whatever. Yeah, those are the two words he used. Which one was more impactful slash meaningful to get there? Um, I, I mean, I'm curious, impactful or meaningful in what way? Like, how just are you defining that? Like, impactful well, to me? It resonated yeah. with me? Your opinion. Your opinion, <sighs> yeah. Um, I mean, keep in mind, obviously, we were only alive for two of them, but still, you know. I, I still got to say Hank Aaron. Why do you I say mean, that? Because the man received fucking death threats the closer he got to Babe Ruth. I mean... Let's not even get into the debate whether or not Babe Ruth was actually white or not, because there's definitely been some there have been some conflicting reports on his ethnicity, even though he identified as a white man. Just saying. Well, we all know how you identify is very important. So, yes. Um, But Hank Aaron. Was. Was subjected to horrible. Um, I mean, death threats. Um, as he got closer to Babe Ruth's record, and so for me, that's probably the most impactful because it it really speaks to the power of this record, number one, and it speaks to. I mean, Hank Aaron. I mean, Hank Aaron isn't big by today's standards, but Hank Aaron, you know was a was a pretty big guy um uh for the Braves. So well, to me in that's his, in, in, well in his later years, yeah. I, I actually looked into that too, like like the body dimensions or whatnot of, of some of these guys. And Hank Aaron in the later years might have been a little when he hit the seven fifteen, yeah, he's a little older and a little heftier. But back in his younger years he was not. He was actually more slight kind of like one eighty <laughs> minus the steroids, yes, exactly. exactly. So um, so yeah, that's, that's another aspect to that. But yeah, the guy on the radio who answered the question said the exact same thing that obviously Hank Aaron didn't end up with the most home runs, you know, as, a, as it stands right now, that's belongs to Barry Bonds with the juice, unfortunately, but, but that's one thing he exactly thing he mentioned that, that his path to getting, just getting to Barry Bruce number involved death threats, you know, like, like legitimate death threats. And I feel like anybody who has to go through that just just because they're playing the game, just because they're breaking some other guy's record, some other guy's record, then then most people who send those death threats probably never even was even alive during the Babe Ruth era. But yet that number meant so much to them, they just want to be total racist. And let's send this black guy death threats because they're trying to break break Babe Ruth's record. So the fact that he still did that, knowing that you know this could be a possibility, somebody trying to kill me for this or my family, yeah, that's more meaningful and impactful because he still went out and did it. No offense to Pujols, no offense to Barry Bonds, but Barry Bonds, obviously, his his number is tainted. I think it's 770 or so, whatever it is. That number is tainted forever. And, and I'll, I'm sure people wish that somebody would come along and break the record. Like I said, Albert Pujols may be the closest person to have done it, and he's not even the Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron. So, unfortunately, folks, Barry Bonds' number may have to stand for a long time. Because, again, even Pujols, A-Rod, Griffey, all those guys who had a good start to their careers, Again, they started young, started hot, tailed off. Now, again, you know, even A-Rod had the power of the juice, too. He still can get the 700. So, 
Um, Griffey, sweetest swing in baseball. Cut off, cut off, you know, whatever number he got to. He got the 600. So, yeah. Barry Bonds' number may stand. We never may never ever see another 700 home run limber in, in Major League Baseball. But that is what it is, you know. So, again, congrats to Albert Pujols. You're the fourth guy. You may be the last. So, kudos to you. You may hit some more in this last run of your season. If you do, hey, good for you. It's been good watching you. It's been painful to watch you sometimes, but you did your thing. Can't can't hate you for that. Yeah, and amnesia of for what a lot of those fans said in 2011 is probably a good thing for those fans and for him. I'll say that much. Trust me, if I still had the the the, the willingness to look, go back and look at some of these uh, posts, I'll definitely pull them out real quick to call people out. But I don't got that kind of time, so I'm letting it go. Yeah, let's save it for the Ballpark Village Champ. Oh, I plan to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That concludes our segment on the accomplishments of one Albert Pujols. Coming up next, we're going to talk about how um, Ume Odoka messed up one hell of a gig. Coming up on Cal Park Bros. Park Bros. Jason and I are fresh off to the, the segment discussing uh, the accomplishments of Albert Pujols this year, getting into the 700 club. And we will be pivoting to something that is not an accomplishment, and that is getting fired on your day off. Or Jason seems to think it's not a firing. I simply call it a firing that has a, has a schedule date. <laughs> you know how you got Ways to send emails, but to send them in the future. That's what the Boston Celtics did to Yume Udoka. Okay? Before I go deeper in my take, let's tell the folks what we're talking about here. Go ahead. You tell them. <laughs> you're, you're lead host, sir. I'll let you, I was trying to let you do your job, man. But, hey, um, go, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I'm taking your job. I took your job. No, no. Um, so essentially, folks, Yume Udoka uh, is the head coach. Well, he was the head coach of the Boston Celtics, and it was d- discovered that he had a consensual, um, basically, affair with a female staff member of the Boston Celtics. And the team dis- discovered it, along with some other information, and they decided to suspend him. And yes, I did say suspend, because as of right now, he still has a job, but he just suspended uh, this is based off a team policy that they, they have or, you know, organization policy has nothing to do with the NBA. Uh, this is all the Boston Celtics they're doing. And that's that. Now, we do have to point out, as some of you may not know, that when I, I did say affair, because Ime Udoka is currently married and his wife is currently pregnant. And some of you also may know that his wife is Neil Long, very famed actress. 
Some of you may know her from uh, the fr- Friday movie. Some of you may know her from Fresh Prince, Bel- Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But that is his wife. And, yeah. Now, uh, yeah. So, Terrence, that's what's going on, folks. And we will talk about that. But as I also said, despite what Terrence said, that as of right now, he is suspended. I will have to agree that a firing probably is going to happen. Because from my stance, okay, he's suspended for the whole year, the t- entire 22-23 season. They don't fire. Let's say they don't fire him and they bring him back to the season. Their narrative isn't going to go away. That's still going to not not that the commentators during games are going to bring that up, but everybody else is. I mean, he comes back. The first the first post game press conference comes up. What do you think the team's going to talk? What do you think the reporters reporters are going to ask him? I'm asking him about that. He can answer it or not. That's up to him. I'm going to ask him. And it may happen for the next few. Because they're going to try to bait him into talking about it. Which he probably would at some point because he's going to want to get it out of the way because they're going to ask. But if you're the Celtics, do you even want that? The fact that somebody from within the organization leaked it out in the first place, and yes, folks, it came from within the organization. I'm sure no one's going to admit to that, but it did. Every organ, every sports organization out there, including the NCAA, has people inside of it who leak stories out to the media for whatever purpose, whatever reason. It happens. And this, this is pretty much what happened here. Now, again, whoever leaked it had no clue what their point was of doing it, other than wanting to get it in the news. It could have, hell, for all we know, it could have been the person that he had the affair with, for all we know. Because I, cause I find it interesting that, that again, came out, came out to the media. Also, we know that Ime Odoka was part of this, but we have no clue who the female uh, party was with the staff. And it seemed like they're protecting her from that, which, you know, is what Actually, it is. We do know her name. Uh, what is it? I'm not going to put that out here because if, if you're referring to Allison Feaster, actually, I think there's an article that said that that's, that's actually not true. Okay. Well then it's probably best since there's a, clearly a debate about who it is, then we probably shouldn't put the name out there. Well, okay, fine. But what I'm saying, well, I'm just telling you that the rumors were that was Allison Feaster and apparently that's been not true. But what I'm saying is that's interesting that, that whoever got leaked all this stuff, it got leaked out that it was Emi Adoka involved, but not the other person. So, all why this stuff's is, interesting. Why is it interesting when one of them clearly had a higher obligation to not do the shit. Well, first of all, why? Who? Had, wait a minute. So, so wait, wait. Who says that he has a higher, you know, responsibility to not do it where they're both involved? Because again, I had to pull up the Celtic policy, but since they're both involved in the relationship, wouldn't it be both of them? Well, let me put it to you like this: in many corporations. Many companies have a strict policy that if, for example, you, let's say, report to someone or you outrank someone, that you literally cannot engage in these type of affairs. And we don't know who the other person is to even know that, that she reports or whatever to him. Okay, here's what we do know. Ume Yudoka is sitting out a year. You Facts. probably wouldn't be doing that. Here's what we do know: he was asked to stop, and he kept going. Now, you know, when you say that, you refer to like like inappropriate comments that kept going, or like, what do you mean? Conduct in general. So, okay. so what I'm saying is, clearly, one shoe has dropped, and his is it. Well, well, that's that we know of. 
Because he, okay, so whoever the staff person is, the public national media probably have no clue who that person is. Even if you were to name him, we'd be like, it would be like, who's that? But you know, Ime Udoka because he was on TV, you know, during all the games, you know, he, when they were in the finals. Because yeah, it, it, that's, that's what I'm saying, exactly. The highest ranking person in his organization that actually shows up and coaches and coaches the Boston Celtics. That's that's what it is. You just said the long. You could just say he's the coach, bro. You went the long way around to say he's just a coach. Um, I shouldn't say just a coach, but but you know what I mean. But exactly, that's why this is a story because we know who he is. If it two, if it had been two other people involved in the same thing, that people that who aren't on TV, we wouldn't be talking about it. ESPN wouldn't be talking about it more than we the Red Fox. Talking about it, but that wouldn't necessarily mean that it's not an issue. And that's why I I'm didn't bringing say that. up. And that's why I'm bringing up. You know. I'm I'm aware of like individuals who engage in inner office shenanigans. Uh and you know, in a previous life, perhaps I would have done that, but now I'm at a certain point in my life where I desire to have, you know, direct reports and what have you. Yeah, I wouldn't even consider dipping my pen in the company ink. Now, had you asked me that 20 years ago, my answer would have been dramatically different. Number one. I would not have been married. Number two, I would not have been entrusted to actually have somebody report to me. And that's why I'm saying that's the star of the show. Not disagreeing with anything you just said. I'm just referring to the fact that I just found it interesting as a one person being named in this, but not the other. Now again, doesn't matter in the long run. Hell, the fact that he's even involved with it doesn't really matter. But because, again, he's the coach of Boston Celtics, because we know who his wife is, that makes it even bigger story. We know his wife's pregnant. All the stuff's part of it. You know? Now, obviously, other coaches and other leagues, may, uh, other teams and organizations may have the same issue. But because, again, because he is who he is, who his wife is, wife's pregnant, that's why this is a big story on ESPN. It's, and I actually asked you if we really want to talk about this because of the Jerry Springer-ish aspect to it. Um. Now, obviously, the Jerry Springer part was kind of a joke, but but kind of laughing, but very serious. I I think I think there are individuals that are going to kind of lampoon this no matter what, because from their perspective, oh, it's a victimless crime. I'm like, well, say that to whoever is involved on the other end of this, because not only is the organization affected, the league is affected, even though the league didn't make a decision. Um. Lastly, lastly, the players are affected. There are families affected. I mean, what's really going to do Ume Yudoka in is when the shit went sideways and it was clear something was going to come out, Neil Long wasn't even notified until, like, <laughs> the shit was ready to hit TMZ. Like, that's ludicrous. You know this fucking bombshell is headed for you and everybody you hold dear to you. And you don't say anything. That is worse than the crime. Straight up. Like, I'm not defend I'm not defending stepping out, stepping out on your mate. I'm not defending uh you know lying to your mate. I'm saying if the shit about to go sideways and you know everybody in their mama gonna find out, and you don't even have the common decency to at least come clean and say, okay, some shit's about to go down and you need to brace yourself. And that's you know, and that's another thing too. So even though he's not a player, even though I guess he may be a player, but he's not a player. Um, 
and we all know that when it comes to pro athletes, we all know that infidelity in their relationships and marriages, it happens. Right? We all know that. But it's when we actually find out that someone's doing it, that's when it becomes, oh, oh damn. You know? That's why it's and that's again another reason why it's a story too, because it's putting a highlight on stuff we already know. So you would think it wouldn't be that interesting, but it still is. And I which is kind of funny in a way if you think about it. Like, is this really like, it's a big deal, obviously, to their family, Yudoka and Neil Longs. It should be a big deal. But why is it a big deal to us as society? You know, again, it's that Jerry Springer type culture. I, and I hate using using that. It may not be a comparable, uh, comparable ref, or rather smart reference, but I think you get what I'm saying. People love people love like the, like I say people love watching people train love wrecks. Mess. People love people, people love a good train wreck. I think is what you're what you're saying. Exactly. Uh, and hence why I they have the Kardashians. So I agree with you. People love. You know, shout out to Mary Kondo. People love mess, um, especially if it's not their mess. And so for a lot of us, some of us are gravitating towards it as a story because clearly some shit went down and, you know, it's a disaster piece um, for everyone involved. Um, Where it is not a Jerry Springer situation to me is while at some point it may and I know you, I know you mentioned the word consensual cuz yeah clearly at some point it was consensual and then at a certain point it wasn't consensual because nobody gets suspended for a year if everything's on the up and up and I'll leave it at that well there's there's a certain term that keeps getting um Quote, uh, quoted like a quotation in there. It says involvement in an improper, in quotations, consensual relationship. So yeah, so I think they're acknowledging that whatever relationship they had probably will say that was the sexual part of it or whatever was probably consensual. Which is what I was asking before when it comes to inappropriate conduct or comments after the fact. I think that might have what got him dimed out and got him in trouble, as opposed to the actual sexual affair that might have happened. Um, so yeah. That yeah, there's a difference in consensual, but I think, think also too why that consensual is put out there, and I think I want to clarify that that there was no you know sexual assault involved because obviously that would be a totally different ball game when it comes to what we're talking about here. You know what I mean? Uh, this isn't the Kobe Bryant in Colorado situation. It was two. It was basically an affair, and and there you go. Here here's all all I really have to say about it, and then Jason, I'll let you close it out. Do do you see a way forward for this man to come back coaching this team in a year? Okay, so so I, I describe myself as an optimal uh, as an optimistic realist. So the optimistic side says not that I care about the Boston Celtics, but the optimistic side says yes, because if they were to bring him back after a year, yes, it's a possibility of that people could forget, but we know really that it couldn't. Or again. Like I said, when he comes back, like I said, it may be a thing for like the first few games when he comes back, and no one's going to care. It won't be talked about, you know, at least not by the media or as far as the actual media. Some of the tabloids may be talking like if Neil Long stays with him and she comes to the games, yeah, Neil Long's at, uh, seen at the games in support of Udoka, you know, it could be all that. But if you're from the Boston Celtics side, if you think that, you know, even after you, he come, him coming back and it can 
quickly go away after him talking about it, whatever. Yeah, you'll bring him back. Because the fact of the matter is, he's a good, he's a good coach, clearly. Got him to the finals last year, even though they lost. Right? So if their focus is, okay, we don't want to lose the coaching aspect of him because obviously he has part of it. Now, now some of that may depend on what, what happens this, this, uh, this, this next season. If they can do well without him, you know, they, they might say, you know what? Team's still good. We got to the finals again or Eastern Conference finals. Let's move on. So, yes, is there a way for him to come back? Yeah, easily. But I but I think the issue – well, put it this way. If he lasts the entire suspension one year without getting fired, that's a sign. Because, honestly, I don't know why they didn't fire, don't fire him right now. What's the point of the suspension? If you don't like what he did, why don't you just fire him? So I kind of feel like this suspension is more of – the Celtics saying, hey, let's wait and see. Let's make, let's make sure no other issues come up first before you just go ahead and all right, fire them. But again, so if he makes it the entire year, then that may be a sign, okay, they're willing to take him back as opposed to just firing him next month or where, whatever, or any time during the next year. So that's that. I think, one, well, that gives us a reason to just keep an eye on this story because clearly everything hasn't come out. This is only what we know. But I'll just share. I don't see a way forward unless someone makes some amazing about face. Not to mention, you got other women in that in that organization still. So no matter what happens with with this with this one individual that, from all accounts, hasn't been named yet, you still have other women in the workplace, and you know sexual harassment culture. In a male-dominated industry, those issues aren't going away. The, the, the amount of scrutiny on the Celtics isn't going away. The NBA at large, I mean, I don't see a way forward. But holy mother of God, is there going to be a story if this guy somehow magically says, hey, thanks for, thanks for holding it down for a year. Baby, I'm back. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this uh, folks, we're probably gonna talk about this again if it, down the road he gets you know fired and they come out with more information about why they fired him. So there's, there's so much more I would say about this based, based on stuff he just Terrence just said. In the sake of the timing for the show, I think we should rest until they actually do fire him, if they do. Yeah, or at least until the next update. My God. All right, that concludes our segment on the the um untimely or timely um postponement of the coaching career of one Ime Yudoka. Uh and with that said, we'll wrap up the show.
Thank you for listening to the CalPart Bros Podcast with your hosts, Terrence and Jason. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave us a rating and review. Five stars, as always, are appreciated. You can always send the show feedback or show topics at CalPartBros at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at CalPartBros.com. You can also reach us on the CPB voicemail at 405-877-2767. That's 405-877-BROS. Who knows? Your message could end up on a future episode of this here podcast. Jason, my brother. My thoughts for the people. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum. No. Um, but, 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 <laughs> folks, that was a pretty good episode. I love the topics, man. All had a, like a sports element to them, but not, but two of them weren't really sports related. So that's still pretty cool. Love talking about that kind of stuff. And folks, hopefully you enjoyed it as well. If you did, thank you. We appreciate that. But always remember that we drop our audio episodes every Thursday, calpartbros.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And as of right now, every Monday, we drop our video segments on Facebook and YouTube again every Monday. So check it out there. We appreciate that. Folks, we can tell you are being fantastic Calpart Bros stalkers and Calpart Bros nerds. We appreciate that. You see you hitting us up on our reels that we post on Facebook, communicating with us reaching out. We appreciate that so much. We want you to stay a part of that fam. And I, as I've been saying the last few weeks, there's four things you got to do to do that. I'm going to tell you what they are right now. You got to remember, when it comes to all things Cal Park Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? That's right. With that said, this is Cal Park Bros. Signing off. Peace out, y'all. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And if you like us, why wouldn't you?